0: This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by General
1: Steele. I'm Tom Foti in Washington. Of the last three Senate races, one is now projected over by CBS News. Two remain outstanding, one going into a runoff. That is Georgia. Eyes today on Nevada, where vote counting grinds on and mail ballots still dribble in. Republican challenger Adam Laxalt has an 862-vote lead over the Democratic incumbent, Catherine Cortez Masto, with new counts expected from Las Vegas. CBS News projected last night that incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly would hold his seat in Arizona. A a short time ago, he celebrated.
0: But we've seen the consequences that come when leaders refuse to accept the truth and focus more on conspiracies of the past than solving the challenges that we face today.
1: Ex-President Donald Trump's in court again trying to block a subpoena issued by congressional investigators of the January 6 riot of his followers and attempts to prevent the congressional certification of President Biden's election victory. In
2: the complaint filed Friday, Trump's lawyers argued that the subpoena was an infringement on his First Amendment rights. They also say no president or former president has ever been compelled to testify or hand over documents to Congress. The subpoena was issued last month and demanded that Trump meet an extended deadline to sit for an interview under oath beginning November 14.
1: Correspondent Elaine Quijano also stuck in the courts. The Biden administration plan to forgive some federal student loans, watching it all anxiously, the people with the debt. It's just
3: kind of like sad in a way where you feel like there's all this effort that's been done for years and years and years, and you're almost at the finish line, and then the rug kind of gets pulled from underneath you.
1: President Biden's a half a world away, occupied by other issues of an international nature. The president is here in Cambodia to meet
0: with Southeast Asian leaders to assure them that the U.S. remains committed to their region. China, which is already the bloc's leading trading partner, has been ramping up its influence, giving these nations money to build their physical infrastructure. In Indonesia on Monday, Mr. Biden meets with Xi Jinping on the sidelines of the G20 summit. It'll be the first face-to-face sit-down of the two men since President Biden took office.
1: White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy in Phnom Penh. Also there, the foreign minister of Ukraine, Dmitry Koleba, talking with U.S. officials as Russian soldiers retreat from the key city of Kherson. residents
4: of the Kherson region and the city of Kherson welcome Ukrainian soldiers with the tears of joy. These are also the tears of gratitude to all those in the United States and to the people of America who
5: have helped us to force Russia to retreat.
1: Ukrainian President Zelensky says those Russian forces destroyed critical infrastructure in the city as they fled. This is CBS News.
0: If you're a business owner renting or leasing, you can save a ton of money and own a custom-designed building made by General Steel. Just call 888-74-STEEL and get a quote today.
2: Finding the right Medicare plan, oof, no easy feat. Kind of like those dances my granddaughter loves making me do. (laughs) But then I found Walgreens FindRx coverage. Let's you compare plans online, over the phone, or in person. Made Medicare shopping so easy. Plus, I found plans with low-cost copays. (laughs) I can get down with that. When you need to talk Medicare, Walgreens is here. Start shopping today at walgreens.com slash Medicare.
0: And he's been suffering from toe fungus for years.
5: I tried every drugstore product, prescriptions from my doctor, nothing worked. And then he discovered Crystal Flush. After just a few weeks, my fungus was gone. The secret, it's non-prescription
0: serum contains the maximum strength FDA-approved ingredient, and the unique capsule helps balance the body's natural defense to fungus. This has changed everything. Crystal Flush is not available in stores, but for a limited time, you can try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit CrystalFlush.com now. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-Flush.com. Or call 800-304-2925.
1: Well, things are about to get a lot louder around an important part of London. Following
4: a five-year silence, the world-famous Big Ben will return with his legendary bong on Sunday. The great clock towering above Britain's Houses of Parliament will resume chiming every 15 minutes following its five-year silence and renovation of more than 1,000 parts. Big Ben was installed in 1859 with the goal of creating the most accurate public timepiece in the world. Mary Rubin, CBS
1: News. Much louder than our CBS bongs. The Associated Press describes Twitter as a bit of a mess since billionaire Tesla CEO Elon Musk took it over. As the AP counts, a number of alternative media sites apparently gaining in popularity, even as some Twitter users seem entertained by the controversy over the seeming chaos at Twitter. Tom Foti, CBS News.
0: KGMI News
5: Update. Democrats continue to hold their leads in close races in Whatcom County's 42nd Legislative District. The tightest race is between Sharon Shoemake and Simon Sefsick for state Senate, where Shoemake leads by 947 votes. Alicia Rule and Joe Timmons still hold a 2% lead in their state house races following Thursday's count. The next ballot update will be released Monday at 5 p.m. Bellingham City Council will take public input on affordable housing at a town hall meeting Monday evening at 6. The meeting will be in person and on Zoom. Whatcom County Public Works and the U.S. Geological Survey installed two new flood gauging stations along the Nooksack River this fall. The new stations will allow the county to better monitor water levels along the North Bank and Everson this winter. They've also installed webcams at Emerson Road in the overflow corridor between Everson and Nooksack. In your Bellingham weather today will be chilly with sun and clouds, a high of 45. Tonight, cold with more clouds moving in. We'll see a low of 33. For KGMI News, I'm Adam Smith.
0: This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham. And KGMI.com.
2: The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC. A registered investment advisor.
3: Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Saturday morning, Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. Well, we're going to start out this week with our weekly wrap for this week, and the market that just concluded was some kind of week. There was turmoil and massive losses in the cryptocurrency market as FTX was ousted for facing a liquidity crunch. The week ended with FTX Group stunningly filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. That wasn't even the half of it. There was a midterm election on Tuesday, which by now we know about, but the final results of which are still unknown. Reports suggest that the GOP will manage to claim a narrow majority in the House, yet some Senate races are still too close to call. In fact, it might take till December 6 runoff election in Georgia to determine if Democrats or Republicans have control of the Senate. With the GOP holding a narrow majority in the House, though it is evident that the next few years likely won't include any new major spending plans or tax hikes. In other words, there will be legislative gridlock for the next few years unless the two parties work together to avoid being labeled as a do-nothing Congress. The stock market this week was anything but a do-nothing market. It was filled with trading excitement that produced the best day on the market on Thursday since 2020 and some huge gains for the major indices. The main catalyst for the excitement was the October CPI report, which came in better than expected and much better than feared. Briefly, total CPI increased 4 tenths of 1% month over month in October, while the core CPI, which excludes food and energy, increased 3 tenths of 1% month over month. The monthly changes left total CPI up 7.7% year-over-year versus 8.2% in September, and core CPI was up 6.3% year-over-year versus 6.6% in September. The key takeaway from the report wasn't singular, it was manifold. The report, number one, helped to validate the peak inflation view, and two, the report is apt to compel the Fed to take less aggressive rate hike approach in the December FOMC meeting. Three, some encouragement was born out of the understanding that the shelter Index, computed with a lag, contributed more than half of the monthly all-items increase, suggesting that price increases moderated in many other areas. This welcome inflation news, combined with a huge drop in the dollar and market rates, launched an epic rally. The Nasdaq composite, for its part, soared 7.4% on Thursday. Pretty darn good day for that index, by the way. And many of the beaten-up growth stocks had double-digit percentage moves, including Amazon, but just about every stock came along for the CPI ride. Growth stocks, though, were the favored rebound candidates as the 10-year note yielded drove 31 basis points, that would be 0.31%, to 3.84%. And the two-year note yield, which is sensitive to changes in the Fed funds rate, plunged 32 basis points to 4.31%. These moves were precipitated by changing rate hike Expectations. The Fed funds future market now sees an 83% probability of a half a point or 50 basis point hike at the December FOMC meeting versus 56.8% before the CPI data, and a terminal rate of four and three-quarters to five percent by June versus previously expected five to five and a quarter percent before the CPI data. The dollar got clobbered. On those same shifting expectations, the U.S. dollar index fell a whopping 4% on the week to 106.42. The drop in the dollar took some of the pressure off of the multinationals and added in the belief that downward revisions and 2023 earnings estimates may not be as severe as feared, assuming the weakness persists. Another factor aiding that belief was a Bloomberg report that China relaxed in quarantine guidelines for inbound travelers and is aiming to avoid citywide testing when COVID transmission chains are clear. This news, which came on Friday, helped boost oil and copper prices. It's also added to the market's newfound enthusiasm for a year-end rally. The S&P 500, which dipped below 3500 following the disappointing September CPI report in mid-October, peaked its head above 4000 on Friday and closed just below that level when the final bell for the week rang. All 11 S&P sectors logged again this week, none bigger than the information technology sector, which is up 10% and that was driven by a huge comeback effort among the semiconductor stocks and by Apple and Microsoft. For the week, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index was up 14.9%. Other standouts included the communication services up 9.2%, materials up 7.7%, real estate up 7.1%, consumer discretionary up 5.9%, and financials up 5.7%. Those were the biggest sectors. The weakest performance were defensive-oriented health care up 1.8% and utilities up 1.4%. So for the year to date through Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is now down 7.1% for the year. The NASDAQ is still down bear market territory, down 27.6. The S&P 500 is down 16.2%, and the Russell 2000 is now down 16.1% and after a couple of weeks of not having our high frequency data we got the report back again this week so i'll go ahead and include that information in this broadcast but among other things, we saw that initial jobless claims as of November 4th were 225,000. Now, that was an increase, actually, of 3.2% in the number of jobless claims. But compared to 2019, that level was 224,000. So, a 1,000 more claims now than we saw at the same period of time back in 2019. And continuing jobless claims as of October 28th were 1,493,000. That was also an increase of four-tenths of 1%. But again, compared to 2019, that number was 1,699,000. So a little bit over 200,000, a little fewer claims on continuing claims as of right now. And then box office receipts as of November 10th were down 21.4%. Rail car traffic as of November 4th was down 2.4%. Steel production also as of November 7th was down 1.4%. Hotel occupancy for the week of October 30th through November 5th was down 5.2%. The operational state of the restaurant industry as of November 9th continues down about 2.7%. TSA checkpoint data as of November 10th, 2,116,288 passengers a day were going through TSA checkpoints. That was an increase of 2.9% for the week. The supply of motor gasoline in the U.S. as of November 4th was up about 4.1% And global commercial flights. As of November 10th, were averaging 100,551 a day. That was down about 1.8%, so a little bit of a drop there as far as global flights, but an increase as far as the domestic flights. I'm going to go ahead and take a break here a little early, and we will come back with more Wealth Wake Up in a minute.
2: I recently brought in my car for some long overdue repairs, something we can all probably relate too well with over this past year and a half. I was terrified about cost, but luckily, the guys at Bellingham and Burlington Automotive prioritized repairs that couldn't wait and helped me decide what could. What a relief.
0: Bellingham and Burlington Automotive, professional ASE certified techs and expertise in foreign and domestic vehicles. Learn more at BellinghamAutomotive.com or BurlingtonAutomotive.com.
2: Do you have friends who say stop by anytime and you think they don't really mean that? Well, unlike those friends, Dewey Griffin Subaru's express service means it. They're open six days a week, including Saturdays. Stop by any time you need an oil change or any other minor maintenance, and they'll take care of you. No appointment necessary, and you'll get a free car wash with your service.
4: Dewey Griffin Subaru, community-minded and community-driven, and the only certified Subaru Tire and Service Center in the county,
5: 1800 Iowa Street in Bellingham. This is Sheriff Doug Chadwick with the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office. We continue to get reports of scammers impersonating local law enforcement officers over the phone, demanding payment for alleged offenses like missing jury duty or something similar. They might claim you have a warrant for your arrest. Often, they are very demanding and can be quite convincing. Let me be clear, we will never call you and demand money or any other type of payment. If you receive one of these calls, please hang up. Be well and be safe.
0: A message from the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office and the Cascade Radio Group. Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington. The People's Republic of China. They're launching the first pieces of their own space station. The John Batchelor Show, weekday evenings from 6 to
1: 10. They're going to use what they learn in in constructing this station and having people live on it to plan their uh, manned interplanetary shift and to do it as quickly as possible.
0: On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com.
2: The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group.
1: If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife.
3: Okay, welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning here on KGMI. We're Asset Advisors. We are located out in Ferndale, or on the way to Ferndale anyway, on the Pacific Highway in Pacific Commerce Center. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number is 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. And let's continue on with this week's show. And, of course, yesterday was Veterans Day. But on Veterans Day, we need to reflect on why America is worth fighting for. You know, a defining characteristic of our American republic is service and ovation. No group exemplifies these civic virtues better than Americans' veterans. On Friday, this Veterans Day, it was more important than ever to remember the sacrifice that our veterans made for this country every november 11th on what was once called armistice day we celebrate veterans day just over a century ago when world war I ended armistice day was the hopeful and annual remembrance of those who had served in what was hoped it would be the world war to end all world wars unfortunately wars have continued to happen in 1954 congress officially changed the holiday to veterans day To honor those who had served and defended the United States in those hard years of World War II and the Korean War. Some confuse the holiday with Memorial Day in late May, but that's to honor those who paid the ultimate price and died for our nation. While Veterans Day is an opportunity to reflect and to respect and remember the contributions of our veterans who returned home from a war or served in peacetime. A veteran is so much more than merely an individual who at one point was in the armed services. The values of sacrifice, dignity, and humility are often reflected in their daily lives. Veterans continue to serve as leaders in their communities, their workplaces, and their governments. Veterans as a group truly are exemplary citizens. And sadly, the proportion of veterans in society is shrinking, and the likelihood of new people entering the armed services is also shrinking. The Army is the smallest since 1940 and fiscal year 23 will likely fall short of its annual recruitment goals, as it did in 2022. This problem isn't limited to the Army, however. It affects the entirety of the armed forces. That raises the question, why aren't young people more motivated to serve? There are a myriad of reasons for this, and they paint a sad picture for the country. One simple fact is less than a quarter of Americans are eligible for service due to increasingly common drug use and obesity, and only 9% of Americans express a willingness to serve. In the past two years, COVID-19 has also taken its toll on the ability to recruit and retain troops. Recruiters could not meet face-to-face with would-be recruits, schools, fairs, and sporting events. Those venues are where, where recruiters shine because they show what military life is like in a very personal way. It's also undeniable that perceptions of U.S. institutions, that the military included, have suffered in recent years. The perception of veterans as forgotten or mistreated, coupled with the notion of rampant physical, mental, and emotional health problems, has served to scare young people away from service. If we wish to remedy these trends, the onus is on us to honor all of America's veterans in a way that dignifies their service. Many who haven't served are often at a loss on how to do this, but there are many ways to show your appreciation. We can show up at parades, donate to or volunteer with, veterans advocacy groups, and express our gratitude to veterans in our lives. There's no quick fix to the long-term issues, but we can do our part in building a culture that honors sacrifice and civic duty. The disconnect between perceptions of veterans and the barriers to serve for those who are potentially interested in joining the military is a challenge for all of us to solve. So on Veterans Day, it was important that we remember and honor those who have given so much for us. A powerful way to express our gratitude for their sacrifice is to emulate the values that we cherish in our veterans community by exercising our rights and participating in the enrichment of our society. So Veterans Day Let's reflect on why this country is worth fighting for. And I wished I could have done this on a Saturday because yesterday was Veterans Day, but I felt like I had to do it today. You know, got a couple different pieces here I want to go through. First of all, I'm going to talk about the top performing S&P 500 subsectors year-to-date, and that's through the end of October. And basically, this is just for investors who want to drill down below the sector level to see what is performing well in the stock market. Basically, the S&P 500 index is currently comprised, there are 11 sectors, and there are 122 subsectors. And basically, up through to October 31st, all five energy subsectors have been top performers year-to-date, financials, healthcare industrial materials each had two subsectors represented in those top performing sectors as of october 31st the most heavily weighted sector of the s&p is information technology which is over 26% energy actually only carries a weight of about 5.36% of the total sector yet as i said all five of those se- energy sectors were in the top performing ones so energy's done very well None of the 15 top performing subsectors posted total returns ranging from 12.95% for managed healthcare up to 77.61% for integrated oil and gas. And with respect to the 11 sectors, only energy posted a positive total return for the period captured, basically surging 68.05%. The second and best performers were consumer staples and utilities with total returns of minus 386% and minus 459% respectively. The S&P 500 index posted a total return of down almost 18% for that period. So even after you factor in the outsized returns this year, energy has had the lowest estimated year-end price-to-earnings ratio of 8.6%. In other words, the average stock price to earnings is 8.64% as of October 31st. Of the 11 sectors that comprise the S&P 500 index, materials was the distant second at 13.59 times earnings. So even though energy is done very well, it still may be undervalued. So let's talk about the worst performing sectors of the market in this same period of time. And again, this is for people who want to drill down through below the sector level and see what is performing or not performing in the market. And equities basically continued to face headwinds this year. All the subsectors featured were basically down 35% or more. These are the subsectors that I'm talking about. The S&P 500, there's 11 sectors, as I mentioned a minute ago. There's 122 subsectors. So we break down these subsectors. Like I say, the average of them was down more than 35%. Basically, looking, bringing it down, consumer discretionary area had six of those subsectors. And as of November eighth, the most heavily weighted sector in the S and P was information technology, as I mentioned earlier. And consumer discretionary had the third largest weighting. Technology is almost 26 percent. Consumer discretionary makes up only about 10.34 percent of the index. And the 15 worst performing sectors posted returns minus down as much as 38.8 percent, which would set cable and satellite to down over 59, almost 60 percent for healthcare supplies. And while there are no guarantees, there could be some potential deep value opportunities in this group. So it is something for you to look at. Again, cable satellites, semiconductors, application software, uh, houseware and specialties, footwear, personal products, automobile manufacturers, internet recall, alternative carriers, metal and glass containers apparel, accessories, and luxury, movies and entertainment. These are under communication services. Intermediate media services are also communication services. Home furnishings on the consumer discretionary area, down 50%. Healthcare supplies, like I mentioned, almost down like 60%. So some pretty big drops in some of those different subsectors over the year. And then on the upside, on the oil side, integrated oil and gas energy was up over 75%. On the bottom side, as I said earlier, managed care was up about 12%. So pretty good variations there from one end to the other. Top performing sectors, of course, did very well. And those bottom performing sectors didn't do very good. So anyway, Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back after a quick break. Thank you for being with us.
5: For quality done right, call Honkoop Gravel. They use state-of-the-art technology to get your job done in a timely, accurate, and economical way. For projects as small as refreshing
0: the driveway and as large as a multi-million dollar builder-ready plat development. Their services include multi-unit site preparation, fireline installation, drainage systems, house foundations, and more. They'll do custom projects, too, turning your dream idea into a reality. If you need site work, you need the team at Honkoop Gravel in Linden or at honkoop.com.
4: Dewarden Bodie's Black Friday early access sale is underway, and you don't want to miss it. Black Friday pricing is available now on appliances, barbecues, mattresses, and more at all three Deward and Bodie locations in Bellingham and Burlington. Now is the time to prepare for the holidays with extra special savings on ranges, wall ovens, cooktops, microwaves, and more. Plus, delivery and installation before Thanksgiving this weekend. Save on select Whirlpool, KitchenAid, and Amana ranges, and get a qualifying microwave for only ninety nine dollars. Plus score cash back rebates toward the installation of select brand ranges, dishwashers, and refrigerators. Keep your cash for the holidays and pay no money down and no interest for two full years on qualifying orders. Plus, shop in confidence with DeWarden Bodie's 30-day local price match guarantee on select in-stock items and get fast professional delivery and installation before Thanksgiving on qualifying orders. Shop the biggest sale of the season during Black Friday early access at DeWarden Bodie right now in Bellingham and Burlington. Financing OAC
0: The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio.
5: Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating.
0: Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
2: CBS News Brief. CBS News projects incumbent Arizona Senator Mark Kelly will win his race over Republican challenger Blake Masters, but the governor's race there is still up in the air. The governor's race has not been called yet, and that's because it's simply too close, and it's within the margin of error of those outstanding ballots. There's still about 300,000 ballots that they're going to be counting over the weekend. CBS's Christina Ruffini, former President Trump, was supposed to testify Monday before the January 6th committee, but he has filed a lawsuit. Legally speaking. Speaking, the former president really does not have a good case here. Having said that, the lawsuit basically guarantees that he won't have to because the committee is going to dissolve. Loyola law professor Jim Levinson. This area is still unsafe. It's not stable. That's the Volusia County, Florida sheriff. And he's talking about the damage caused by Hurricane Nicole this weekend. Some seawalls were washed away. CBS News Brief. I'm Linda Kenyon.
3: Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue here with you this Saturday morning here on KGMI. Going to continue on. Let's see. I'm going to talk about some facts that we're seeing on electric cars you might find interesting. Because electric car sales are up 66% this year. And President Biden has been promoting them, saying things like the Great American Road Trip is going to be fully electrified. And there's no turning back. To make sure we have no choice in this matter, some left leaning states have moved to ban powered cars altogether. California Governor Newsom issued an executive order banning them by 2035. Oregon, Massachusetts, and New York are doing the same. State of Washington politicians are trying to do even faster and say by 2030. And there are 30 countries that also say that they're going to phase out gas-powered cars. But this is just dumb, it's not going to happen, and it's magical thinking. I want to point out some inconvenient facts about electric cars. Simple truths that politicians and green activists just don't seem to understand. Electric cars are amazing, but they won't change the future in any significant way as far as oil use or carbon dioxide emissions. Inconvenient fact one, selling more electric cars won't reduce oil use much. The world has 15 18 million electric vehicles now. If somehow we got to 500 million, that's going to reduce world oil consumption by about 10%. That's nothing, but it doesn't end the use of oil. Most of the world's oil is used by things like airplanes, buses, big trucks, and mining equipment that gets copper to build the electric cars. Even all of the vehicles somehow that did switch to electricity, there's another problem. Electricity isn't all that green. You know, I like talking to friends who are excited about their electric car, assuming it doesn't pollute. They go silent when I ask, where does your car's electricity come from? They don't know. They haven't even thought about it. Inconvenient fact, too. Although driving an electric car puts little additional carbon into the air, producing the electricity to charge its battery adds plenty. Most Americans' electricity is produced by burning natural gas and coal. Just 12% of it comes from wind and solar power. And auto companies don't advertise that. Electric vehicles in general are better and more sustainable for the environment, according to what they're saying. But ignorance speaks to what you know. You have to mine and somewhere on Earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rock just to make one battery. American regulations make mining difficult, so most of this is done elsewhere, polluting these countries. Some mining is done by children. Some is done in places that use slave labor. And even if those ores don't exist, mining itself adds lots of carbon to the air. So if you're worried about carbon dioxide, the electric vehicle has emitted 10 to 20 tons of carbon dioxide from the mining and manufacturing and shipping before it even gets to your driveway. Volkswagen published an honest study in which they point out that for the first 60,000 miles or so that you're driving an electric vehicle, that electric vehicle will have emitted more carbon dioxide than if you had just drove a conventional vehicle. You'd like to drive an electric car 100,000 miles, but to reduce emissions by just 20 or 30 percent, which is nothing, but it's not zero? No, it's not. If you live in New Zealand Where there's lots of hydro and geothermal power, electric cars pollute less. But in America, your zero-emission vehicle has lots of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. Politicians and electric car sellers don't mention that. Most probably don't even know it, which is kind of scary because they're the ones that are legislating it. Okay, well, let's talk about the great resignation to unretirement. So those people that retired early now many of them are looking at going the other way. And the COVID pandemic changed the world of work, at least temporarily. U.S. employment reached historic lows at the beginning of 2020, but in April that year, it has skyrocketed to levels not seen since the Great Depression. The workforce upheaval was dubbed as the Great Resignation. Some older workers were forced into early retirement as a result of health concerns, while others found that they could ditch their dreaded commute and keep working from home, delaying their retirement plans. Since then, the economy has largely recovered, and vaccines are widely available, yet millions of job openings are going unfilled. Today's employment picture looks a lot less like the pre-pandemic years and a lot more like those during post-World War II when America relied on older workers to fuel growth. We need older workers to stave off inflation and get the economy back on track. They are a key ingredient to solving the massive imbalance in the demand and supply of labor, which has created the ideal environment for the Great Resignation to thrive and is a contributing factor to increasing prices. Some retirees concerned about rising inflation are returning to work to augment their retirement income and stretch their buying powers. Others, worried about market volatility and portfolio losses, are considering re-entering the workforce as a way to delay tapping retirement savings in a down market. And the market activity experienced this far may have an impact on employee behavior, according to a recent report on called titled Real World Insight About the Great Resignation's Impact on Work Benefits and Retirement Trends. This came from the Employee Benefit Retirement Securities Research Center. And they said asset values have come down considerably, which may have an impact on workforce exit and re-entry, as well as retirement patterns. So how can we help you out with their on-again, off-again, retired clients that want to navigate shifting back and forth to work? Well, one topic of conversation might be Social Security. Individuals who retire before their full retirement age are subject to reduced benefits for claiming early as well as limits on how much they can earn from a job without jeopardizing their Social Security benefits. So this year, in 22, if you're under full retirement age for the entire year, you're going to forfeit $1 in Social Security benefits for every $2 that you earn over $19,560. A higher limit applies to those who reach the retirement age of 66 years and 4 months this year. That means that those who were born in 1956 can earn up to $51,960 in the months before they reach full retirement age, and they're only going to lose about a dollar in every three dollars earned over the benefit. The earnings cap disappears at full retirement age, and any Social Security benefits lost to excess earnings will be restored in the form of larger monthly benefits. So I had a radio listener who thought she was ready to quit her high paying job but stressful job as a pharmacist. She decided to retire and claim Social Security at 62. She planned to work part-time as an exercise and health coach, holding her earnings below the annual cap. But less than a year into her early retirement, she's finding it difficult to keep her spending in line with a reduced income and is thinking about returning to part-time pharmacy work. So she called and she asked me for advice. I said she had two options. One, she could withdraw her application for Social Security benefits by filing Form 521. There's a catch, though. She would have to repay all those benefits that she received so far. The once-in-a-lifetime withdrawal wipes the slate clean, so at a later date, when the individual is older, they can receive a larger monthly benefit based on their claiming age at that time. She didn't like the repayment option. So her other choice was to contact Social Security, tell them she planned to return to work and estimate her earnings for the rest of the year. SSA would withhold some or all of her Social Security benefits in order to satisfy the restrictions on those excess earnings. So the earnings limits resets each January. It applies only to earnings from a job or self-employment, not to investment earnings, interest, pensions, annuities, or capital gains. And failure to contact SSA in a timely manner could result in benefits overpayment, which would have to be repaid at a later date, even a lump sum or by forfeiting future benefits until the debt has been repaid. Because the listener was not yet reached full retirement age, she didn't have the option of suspending her benefits. That strategy allows someone who's full retirement age or older to voluntarily stop receiving them. In the meantime, those benefits will increase by 8% a year up to age 70, when benefits would resume. So claiming Social Security early has its consequences. Monthly benefits are permanently reduced and earnings limits can make it very difficult to unwind a decision to unretire. So something you really need to take a good hard look at if you are in one of those situations. And we're talking about Social Security. Uh, American workers aren't gonna have to wait for their maximum Social Security check. When it comes to Social Security, most working Americans prefer to take a bird in the hand. According to Schroeder's uh, 2022 retirement survey, a mere 11% of Americans 45 and older who aren't yet retired plan to wait until age 70. Only 11% want to wait. That's interesting because the age at which that's when you reach your maximum monthly benefit. So if you start receiving their Social Security benefits, almost one-third, or 32%, said they're gonna take benefits before the age of 70, because they're concerned that Social Security may run out of money, and 31%, they said they expect that they would need the money sooner. Along those lines, nearly half, or 48%, of those surveyed plan to take Social Security benefits between the ages of 62 and 65, 19% between 66 and 69, and 22% were unsure. It's not that people don't know when they'll get their money, it's if they've postponed their Social Security. Most people do know that they can post, the more they postpone, the better off they are. 86% of the respondents said that they're aware that they've received larger checks by delaying the start. But there are some nuances when deciding the optimal time to turn on Social Security benefits. On the issue of solvency of Social Security program, ultimately Congress will need to address and act on the projected shortfalls in a timely manner in order to increase the viability of Social Security benefits for future generations. Among this survey's other findings, 55% of respondents nearing retirement age 60 to 65 don't believe that they're going to be able to replace 75% of their last paycheck in retirement. More concerning, almost one quarter, or 23 percent, of those nearing retirement, age 60 to 65, have no idea how much monthly income they'll need to generate in retirement in order to live comfortably. In fact, most are concerned. 53 percent are terrified. 33 percent by the idea of no longer getting regular paychecks from an employer. Basically, if you're looking at, you should look at total totality of factors in their life when they make this decision: family longevity, cash flow needs, other assets personal preferences. Other factors are important. You know, I do not think that you should make a choice based on fear about the solvency of Social Security system. We don't know what the future holds there as with all aspects of financial planning. Focusing on what we can control when we take decisions usually leads to better outcomes than dwelling on factors beyond our ability to influence or control. But ultimately, we think Social Security, they will play politics with it, but they'll figure it out. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back in a minute. Hello, folks. Are you ready to get your estate planning affairs in order, but you don't know where to start?
4: Would you like to hear about the difference between wills and trusts? Do you want to learn how to avoid probate? Do you have questions about Social Security and Medicare? Is it important to you to make life as easy as possible on your spouse and loved ones if something should happen to you? This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham. Join me right here on KGMI every Saturday at 1 p.m. for the Aging Hour. And let me show you how to set your family up for success in your retirement.
0: Hey, how was the grocery store?
1: Everything is getting more and more expensive.
0: I know. I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up.
1: We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which.
0: While I was talking to Joe... And he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. And the guys that came out to install it were professional, and the heat pump works great. He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into.
1: That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment.
2: Call Linden Cheap Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save
3: on installation and monthly utility bills, and we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Cheap Metal,
2: serving the Northwest for over 80 years. In
0: the shop. is still fully vested in the internal combustion engine. And they saw, was a visionary, the future being a, uh, a fuel cell vehicle. Steve from Panacea. Kurt from Angler. Brian from Dr. Johns. And Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. The efficiencies there, but find me a location where you can go fuel up your hydrogen fuel cell yeah. here in, in <laughs> Whatcom County. In the shop, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com.
1: Cause there ain't no doubt, I love this land.
0: God bless the USA.
3: Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up Live here on KGMI this Saturday morning. Dick Donahue with you. If you've got questions for me, you can always give me a call. 360-733-1200. And I had a question or a discussion here, doing this a lot with our clients, about why we should consider doing tax loss harvesting well it's because of the current stock market volatility it does offer some investors an opportunity to take advantage of tax loss harvesting that's basically selling investments at a loss realizing that loss for tax purposes and using those sales proceeds to buy a similar type of investment so when the market's volatile like right now many people get worried nervous about their financial situation rather than worrying We planners view this volatility as a normal part of investing and an opportunity for what we call tax loss harvesting. And tax loss harvesting is when you sell investments at a loss. One, you realize those losses for tax purposes, and two, you typically use the sale proceeds to buy a similar type of investment. So let's talk about this realize the loss for tax purposes. For example, If you bought an emerging markets mutual fund for $100,000, currently worth $80,000, you would have an unrealized loss of $20,000. But if you sell that fund for $80,000, you now have realized that loss of $20,000. There are two primary ways that you can use this $20,000 loss. One, you can offset capital gains. If you happen to sell investments at a gain earlier in the year, you can now offset that gain with a $20,000 loss. If you realize $20,000 of gains and now have $20,000 of loss, you're in the break even for tax purposes. If you realize $30,000 of gains, but now have $20,000 of loss, that means you now have reduced your taxable from $30,000 down to $10,000. You can also help offset ordinary income. If you don't have any capital gains to offset, you're able to use up to $3,000 of your losses to offset ordinary income. Say you made $100,000 in income for this year you could reduce that to $97,000 by using your $3,000 loss. The remaining $17,000 is going to get carried forward to future years. It can be used in the same two ways. You can either offset future capital gains or you can reduce ordinary income up to $3,000 a year. Now, the second step here is you want to go out here and you're going to reinvest the proceeds. So back to our original example, if you sold that Emerging Markets Fund for $80,000, you originally paid a hundred for it. Well, while the $20,000 loss was clear tax benefits, as we talked about before, you still don't want to keep that $80,000 in cash because then you're stuck with a loss forever. That $80,000 will not ever have a chance to grow back to the 100000 you started with because it's no longer invested. So this leads us to a piece of tax loss harvesting, which is called reinvesting the proceeds. There's typically two ways to do this. One, you reinvest the proceeds in a similar type of investment. So if your financial plan, your investment picks, call for still owning that emerging markets holding, you can sell one emerging markets fund and basically replace it with something similar, like another emerging markets fund with a different sponsor. Or two, you can reinvest the proceeds in a different asset class. Sometimes the investment you own doesn't make sense for your financial plan or goals. If those investments are down in value, it can make sense to sell them for a loss and use those proceeds to invest in asset classes that are a better fit for your financial plan. For example, say that you own a U.S. large cap fund. It's down in value, but your asset allocation plan calls for little or no U.S. large cap holdings. You could sell this U.S. large-cap fund, realize the loss for tax purposes, and reinvest those proceeds into something better to fit for you, such as small-cap value or maybe in international equities, for example. And while the concept of tax loss harvesting is fairly straightforward, there are some pitfalls that you need to be aware of. First, the first thing to know is that tax loss harvesting can only be done in taxable brokerage accounts. There's no benefit to doing it in retirement accounts like 401Ks or IRAs. And two, be aware of wash sale rules. These rules state that if you sell an investment at a loss and then buy a substantially identical investment within 30 days before or after the sale, the loss is disallowed for tax purposes. This is especially important for those who are actively participating in employee stock purchase plans or have RSUs reinvesting and have their investments set to automatically reinvest dividends and capital gains. If you have a taxable brokerage account, assets you own are currently worth less than they paid for them, that's a prime opportunity for tax loss harvesting and while we normally don't like to sell investments at a loss, tax loss harvesting is the exception so we have a program we can sit down and take your tax return from last year and look at what your gains and losses are for this year and we can sit here and run that program for you and we can help go in and help determine whether or not you should take those losses also run a gain loss report to see if you have unrealized gains or losses that you haven't taken and so it's possible to go in and do those type of things and run those numbers for you. That's one thing we're spending a lot of time with right now, is helping our clients sit down and take a look at tax loss harvesting, also Roth conversions. Okay, moving on. We're finding that banks are betting on subprime consumer sp- uh, spending, basically sends credit card balances to a record. That U.S. credit card balances surge to a record in the third quarter, as banks bet that consumers with less than stellar credit will be handled, able to handle more debt. Balances soared 19% so far in the third quarter to $866 billion, with the average credit lines also climbing to an all-time high, according to data from reporting company TransUnion. The jump came after card obligations to subprime consumers climbed more than 12% in the previous three-month period. And basically, in this inflationary environment, consumers are increasingly turning to credit. This is particularly true among subprime segment of consumers. In the depths of the pandemic, banks feared that the initial surge in unemployment would leave consumers unable to pay their bills, and many many pulled, pulled back on credit card marketing and originations. Consumers, too, were forced to curtail their spending due to lockdowns. That's all changed as banks look to load up on more customers, and consumers returned to shopping and traveling after the lifting of lockdowns. Now, investors are clearly watching delinquencies, a harbinger of future losses. The percentage of credit card loans that were 90 days past due jumped up 1.94% in the third quarter, surpassing pre-pandemic levels for that same period. Supply chain and other logistic channels continue to plague the auto loan industry, which saw total, total new loans drop almost 15% in the second quarter from the same time last year. And mortgage originations, which have been hit hard by the chilling effects of rising interest rates, plummeted 47% to $1.9 million in the second quarter, according to the same report. Still, the equity available for homeowners continues to be a bright spot amid volatility and the number of new equity home lines of credit surged almost 50% to 409,110 new loans in the third quarter. HELOCs and home equity loans are growing at dramatically higher rates than in recent years. Homeowners are sitting on a combined $604 billion in non-mortgage debt. These products are attractive options for homeowners because they can use their available home equity credit to pay off more expensive debt. An interesting report, to say the least. And we're also finding it's getting harder to switch jobs as the labor market shows cracks. U.S. workers are having a harder time switching jobs than expected. That's the takeaway from a new Harris Poll study that examined job seekers' recent experiences with the labor market, which is still strong but starting to show cracks. More than 70% of those looking for a new role said it's more difficult than they had anticipated. As the Federal Reserve raises interest rates to combat inflation, the U.S. economy is showing mixed signals. Businesses reported strong hiring and wage increases last month, but unemployment is ticking higher and firms including Twitter, Intel, and Lyft are cutting staff. For those on the ground, the current economic conditions are surprisingly challenging, a big change from this time last year when workers had all the leverage. More than a third of unemployed Americans are looking to change Joels, according to the Harris Poll. Yet about 72% of job seekers say that companies are acting like they don't want to hire anyone since they're ignoring applications and not scheduling interviews. About two-thirds of those looking for a new job say they regret not starting the search sooner. A similar percentage think it would be have been easier to change roles a year or two ago. The process has been long and daunting for many. More than 6 in 10 say that they've searched for a new job over six months and nearly half report applying to more than 50 positions. The survey was conducted online between the 4th and 6th of November among nationally represented sample of over 2,000 adults. Rather interesting numbers there. So looks like you better not quit your job unless you know you got a new one and it's going to get harder and harder and harder to get out there and get that new job this has been dick donahue with you with wealth wake up live here on kgmi this saturday morning got questions for us again you can give us a call 360-733-1200 and don't forget our show tomorrow we're going to cover economic data for the week that's on the air here at kgmi at nine o'clock in the morning thanks and have a great day
2: Opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.